Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Homes.com knows having the right agent can make or break your home search. That's why they provide home shoppers with an agent directory that gives you a detailed look at each agent's experience, like the number of closed sales in a specific neighborhood, average price range, and more. It lets you easily connect with all the agents in the area you're searching so you can find the right agent with the right experience and ultimately the right home for you. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Hey, what's up? How you doing, uh, nerdies? Is <laughs> it? No, it's Bernie's for you. Oh, nerd fam. Yeah, what's up, nerd fam? How you doing? Uh, you know, right now, Danny's on the beach with her toes, you know, tinkling up in the sand, and I'm probably driving to my dad's house. And it's and what that means is it's Christmas time. So we're gonna drop a couple of our favorite clips. From a couple of our favorite episodes, so you can enjoy them. And think back on the good times before for the holidays when we were Akupado and Danny was living life lavish on the Bahamas somewhere. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to figure out where you were going with this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, enjoy these uh, clips. They're going to be fun. Let's talk about the history. The earliest yeah, let's do known. our deep dive, deep dive, deep dive. We still don't have our sound. For I know. That. I look. I just like repeating deep dive. We'll just clip that for next time. <laughs> uh, the earliest it looks like known tabletop game was a series of forty-nine small carved painted stones that were actually found at the five thousand year old. I think this is Basur Hoyuk burial mound in southeast Turkey. Um, and those are the earliest gaming pieces ever found. Yeah, and similar pieces have been found in Syria and Iraq and seem to point to a board games originating in the Fertile Crescent. And other early origin dice games were created by painting a single side of a flat stick. Uh, these sticks would be tossed in unison and the amount of painted sides showing would be your roll. Mesopotamian dice were made from a variation of materials, including carved knuckle bones, wood, painted stones, and turtle shells. You know what? This kind of adjacent to this reminds me of cornhole. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, like that was... <laughs> Do you know the history of corn? I, this is according at least to my ex who um, religiously. So he's from um, he's from Ohio, which that when dating him, I was exposed to cornhole. I didn't know. I grew up in Southern California. I don't know if it was a big thing or not, yeah. um, but I wasn't aware of it. And then they 
they would like literally the kids in his town would make their own cornholes and paint them. That sounds so bad. Uh, so if you don't know what cornhole is, it's like um, it's like a flat surface um, ramp that has a hole in it that you then toss bean bags into. And yeah. what my ex told me was that the history of it is that they used to throw corn cobs into outhouses. <laughs> I don't know. We might need our researcher to look into that. But yeah. that's uh, the history of. I like, uh, I like that history, though. I think I think I'm down with that. Chuck a one. corn cob into <laughs> an outhouse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I learned uh, cornhole from the white improv community that I'm a part of out here. They, they've been showed up at parties and was like, yeah, because yeah, grow, I don't uh-huh. know about you, but growing up in so- other, SoCal, our oh, big yeah, thing yeah, was yeah. like. Uh, what was our big thing? I, 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 Nothing. Uh, uh, no, I was going to say beer pong. The, beer oh, pong. beer pong. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's the big like party game. I'm aware of, but cornhole seems way more chill, like a backyard barbecue, throw a little sack into a hole. Throw a corn cob into yeah, yeah. a toilet bowl. <laughs> okay. But let's uh, jump down this timeline. So uh, thanks to our researchers, we have a brief timeline of game history, and it starts in 3500 BCE with Sine. It, it's S-N-E-T, which is either Senate or Sine. I'm fancy, so I'm going to call it Sine. It's discovered in the pre-dynastic and first dynasty burials of Egypt. Senate is believed to be the world's oldest board game, meaning game of passing. Senate consisted of a grid of 30 squares arranged in three rows of 10 and two sets of pawns. Though the exact rules are the source of much debate, a copy of the game was found buried with Tutankhamun, which is funny because I feel like... Mm. That's tabletop to a T, which is arguing over yeah, what the rules dang. actually are. Yeah. <laughs> he had a lot of things buried with him. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like all of his animals and I think like friends. Also that thang. You always keep that thang <laughs> I on. know. Yeah. Okay. So uh, moving on to 1400 BCE, we see dice actually. So Sophocles claimed that Palamedes uh, invented dice in about 1400 BCE. And sure enough, they found cubical stones and clay dice during that period. But in truth, it's possible that dice were actually developed independently by many ancient cultures around the world. I believe that. Did you know that alcohol was also developed independently around major cultures? I took a history of uh, this was in my deep weeb phase uh, when I was in uh, community college. But I took it was Japanese, but I also took like the history of Japan. And they were talking about how. Korea and and Japan and almost every country found alcohol on their own. So there had to be that one weird guy (laughs) in every culture who was like, let's taste this rotten juice. (laughs) (laughs) It might also be, I mean, I'm sure someone will correct us, but I imagine also it was just like their limited resources where like if something did go wrong or it was like fermented, it was like, we don't have the resources to just throw this away. Yeah. No, that sounds like a very educated guess. And then (laughs) then eventually what ended up happening was that the water supply was so bad that they just ended up having to drink uh, alcohol, which is something we should cover. We should cover nerds getting drunk. Well, well, we should definitely cover um, the science behind. Not even that, but remember when everybody was making their own beer, like like that. <laughs> still, that, yeah, I mean, still, yeah. And I feel people it's were half real the nerds about community. that. Like it was like, oh man, I made my own beer. Microbrewing. Um, <laughs> well, let's dip over to 200 BCE for a game that sounds. 
kind of familiar. Yeah. Snakes and Ladders. I love it. I wish they had kept that name. (laughs) Snakes and Ladders originated in India as a game based on morality, where the progression up the board was to teach children about good and evil, with climbing up ladders representing good and sliding down snakes representing evil. During the British rule of India, the game made its way back to the shores and it was taken to U.S. as Shoots and Ladders in 1943 by Milton Bradley. I should have been snakes. Look, that, that's gentrification 101 right there. <laughs> he went and t- was like, all right, I'm, I'm going to take the snakes out. We're going to add some shoots. <laughs> we're we're going to move on to the first board game millionaire. This is one of the most fascinating stories that we encountered coming across this topic. In 1935, we got Monopoly. And a lot of people wrongly credit Charles Darrow as being the sole designer. And what actually happened is Charles and his wife, Esther, actually went in 1932 to the home of his friend, who was a Philadelphia businessman named Charles Todd and his wife, Olive. So he went uh, over to their place and they played a real estate board game that they had recently learned. And they became fascinated by it and... Charles Todd, his friend, made the Darrows a set of their own. And then the other Charles, so many Charles in this. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Charles Darrow, listen to this, because this is where the sneaky part is. That sounds like a character from Downton Abbey, by the way. Charles Darrow. Charles Darrow. I'm Charles Darrow, and I've made some board games for you. Uh, Charles Todd. I got to say, on paper, sounds hella whack. Uh, You know, it's like, hey, on paper, sounds really whack. Like, to be like, Hey, you guys want to play a real estate board game? I'm like, nah, son, let's bring out the Magic the Gathering. Why are you bringing this trash? Wait, when was Prohibition? Let me see if they were (laughs) bored. (laughs) Very good question. Just line up. We want to go and tell you the best-selling Nintendo games of all time. uh, This might shock people. Yeah, it shocked me for sure. So I'm going to give you all, you know, a few seconds to think. Brace yourselves? Yeah, yeah, to brace yourself to think what you think it is. Yeah. And we'll do the top 10, and we'll start from 10, and we'll work our way up. Uh, So let's get it started. Number 10, which I'm real proud about because I've been talking about this game. (laughs) Since the start of this episode. Since the start of this episode till now, (laughs) is Duck Hut. Which is twenty eight million. Which I don't know if that really counts since it came with the system, but you know I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it the crown. And yeah. Then, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so n- number nine is We Play. That was mm. super popular. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, twenty eight point oh two million. Just just barely edging out Duck Hunt. Yeah. Uh, and number eight is Tetris for the Game Boy. Speaking mm-hmm. of which, mm-hmm. yeah. Thirty million. Okay. So uh, number seven, New Super Mario Bros. on the Wii. Oh, that was so a fun one. Yeah. I'm fascinated by how many of these are Wii related. Oh, yeah. So, and that's 30.11 million. Yeah, yeah. And then the new Super Mario Bros., which was the same game, but on the DS. Yeah. Uh, or I, I wonder if it was the other way around. I think it was. It came out on the DS, and then they made it for the Wii. Uh, we'll look into that. But that was 30.80 million. Pokemon Red, Green, Blue uh, for Game Boy, 31.38 million. Ooh, wee, spicy, dighty. And then uh, Wii Sports Resort, 33.06. The Wii Sport really is like... How is this? Now, picture in your head every Nintendo game that you know. <laughs> and Wii Sports Resort beat it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, at least most of them. It's at number four. 
Number three, of course, we have Mario Kart. This was Ooh. Mario Kart Wii specifically, so 37.02 million. It makes sense, I guess, yeah. with the popularity of the Wii and game, like kind of where we're at now, that the majority of these are for Wii, but I still find that really fascinating. And number two is Super Mario Bros. for the NES and GBA, 42.51 million. Okay, brace yourself. Yeah. Number one, who? What would you have thought number one would be the number one selling? I would have thought Nintendo. Pokemon, but Pokemon's pretty high up there. They're in the top five at least. Yeah, that's true. I guess for some reason I thought it would be Super Mario Bros. Um, well, it was. It was until this oh, game came out. It was number one until this game came out. This game being Wii, Wii Sports. Sports. God, Wii. yep. Yeah. The thing that you pull out after every Thanksgiving when your family. <laughs> That's my family when like uncles like passed out asleep and who's going to break out the Wii Sports. I know it's surprising, but not surprising because I feel like Wii Sports is the one game that across the board, whether you're a gamer or not, everyone is aware of. Everyone has seen the video of someone playing tennis or someone doing the golf. Uh I feel like those videos going viral like many of them did has just made people flock to Wii's. I can't believe that Super Smash Brothers didn't even like get Super Smash Brothers is number yeah. number 29? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, god. Oh yeah. I mean, I just played that religiously. And <laughs> Super Mario 64 is all the way down at number 40. That was my favorite game growing up. It's just really uh knocked us back down a peg. But that is something that's very interesting. I want to talk about the Wii a bit and the Wii I feel like inside, like, gamer culture shook the the gaming zeitgeist because you had the Wii kind of dropped around the time the PS3 and the Xbox 360 came. So everyone was waiting for Nintendo's next-gen consoles. So someone thought that they were going to compete with something that is that has, like, 1080p HD graphics, very powerful new controller. And they came out with this Wii console that was used a remote <laughs> a motion yeah remote. i mean and, but it was very inner it was extremely interactive you well, know what it was was approachable for a lot of people yeah. i feel like when people see Agreed. controllers they're like what but everyone uses a remote so i think that made it approachable for just the general kind of uh you know yeah it's one of those things where i think like i can't remember in the commercials if they did this but it's it's people of all ages essentially like you Mm -hmm. could give your grandma a wii remote and she can just use her body like she can swing you know the golf club or bowl i was really great at bowling and so i agree like you said iffy it's it's you don't have to worry necessarily too much about a lot of the buttons uh it's you know largely based on your body movement for a lot of things so i did think and it's and it's interactive it's like a family you know a lot of the wii games are encouraging for others to play kind of as a group oh yeah so and it and i think you had it right in what you said is a family console it was a big deal when they finally came around and had an m-rated game they the wii typically tried to be just fun for all, and they tried to steer more towards family-friendly game, which a lot of people thought that was a bad move. But in the end, I think it was a good move because you had these two giant uh, consoles competing with each other, the Xbox and PlayStation, and they were coming out neck-to-neck neck with exclusives, shooter games, action God of War, violent games, and then you have this like fun console that you can bring out and the whole family wants to play. And I think that's where they capitalize. And, you know, the Wii U wasn't very successful because I feel like it it just kind of – one, I don't think personally it was that much of an advancement. I, it was literally just a, a better version of the Wii, which you can – 
you say what you will about them doing that, but that's basically what the Xbox One X and the PlayStation 4 Pro is at this point. But mm-hmm. then they they made the Switch, which was another innovative game uh, console where it was it can be both portable and a console game you can play at home. So it seems like that's always been Nintendo's kind of drive yeah. is to find innovative ways to play versus trying to just be the best at what the current status quo is. Yeah, and I know that we skipped uh, forward to Wii, but I just wanted to mention the gaming systems that came before that. Oh, yeah. So we talked about the NES. So the difference with that was that it was an 8-bit system. Yeah. Um, and so that was in 1985. Then they upgraded to 16-bit uh, and that was in 1991 with the Super Nintendo uh, Entertainment System. I think I remember having that one as well. And then my favorite, and if you're a 90s kid, I mean, this was our home base, Nintendo 64. Uh, greatly improved 3D graphics, a oh, new yeah. controller, the modern joystick. We have to do an entire episode on N64. I mean, we'll probably do an entire episode on most of these. Oh, yeah. But that came out in 1996. And then we have GameCube. I remember GameCube uh, in 2001. So that also had enhanced graphics, a new controller. Um, the games came on a mini disc, and it was N- Nintendo's first home console to use solely disc format for their games. And it was also the first and only Nintendo system to require additional memory cards in order to save. Do you remember that? Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Oh, man. Uh, and then they had the Panasonic Q, which was kind of like a hybrid version of Nintendo GameCube. Uh, that was in 2001. But that could also, that kind of changed things because it could also play DVDs, audio CDs, MP3s, and CDs. So they were trying to catch up. I feel like they were trying to also do like what PlayStation was doing. And then we have the Wii in 2006. So the newer black, red, and blue models were dubbed the Wii Family Edition. So they were really capitalizing on the family market. We had the Wii Mini, which was a smaller version of the Wii console. That was in 2012. Uh, we had Wii U. Yeah, we had so many Wiis. Yeah. Uh, which was like a, a gamepad with a touchscreen built into it. And that was in uh, also in 2012. We had the NES Classic Edition. Totally. Did you get that, Iffy? Oh, no, I didn't. I, Did I you play anybody's? No, I, I wasn't going to fight the crowds. Crowds? Yeah. Oh, man. So if y'all don't know... I mean, just totally capitalizing on our nostalgia at this time. The NES Classic uh, was a mini console that was basically bringing back all your childhood of playing NES. It included 30 classic NES games, uh, but was also compatible with a Wii uh, controller, a Wii Classic controller. So, And then we have the Nintendo Switch, which, do you have one of those? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, Yeah. It's great for flights. Yeah, yeah, the Nintendo Switch, um, and that was in 2017. It was kind of like a hybrid of a lot of the of the home and the portable uh, mm-hmm. gaming uh, of their consoles, and uh, and then we also have the Super Nintendo Entertainment System Classic Edition or SNES Mini, and that was in 2017. Yeah, so so they've they've dropped uh, quite a few bangers, and the Switch is is doing well. It had a great year. Uh, Breath of the Wild swept the game of the years. All all of them. Every almost every every publication's game of the year had Breath of the Wild. Yeah. And so they're I'm excited to see where they go with the Switch. Yeah, that wasn't even getting into all the different iterations of Game Boy that they had, but uh yeah, we'll we'll probably do we will do an entire episode on Game Boy. Oh yeah, we definitely just handhelds, just Nintendo handhelds. Yeah. But uh 
We'll talk a little bit more, but before that, I think you guys need a break, or at least we do. So we'll talk to you when we come back with our guests after this. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep expert. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. All right, and welcome back to Nerdificent. We are talking about violence and video games, going down the history of it, talking about all the studies, the strike down, whatever. Just so much info, just disproving this. But we have it here, all in one place for you. Uh, but Danny wanted to uh, wanted to say something up top. Yeah, that uh, APA. A study that we were talking about, the American Psychological Association. So they had actually looked at four meta-analyses that reviewed more than 150 research reports published before 2009. And then of the ones published between 2009 and 2013, they looked at 170 articles to come up with their research. And again, it said, while there's some variation among the individual studies a strong and consistent general pattern has emerged from many years of research that provides confidence in our general conclusions. As with most areas of science, and the picture presented by this research is more complex than it usually include in news coverage and other information prepared for the general public. So that's another sector of it, is what the media decides to latch on. What is shown is like they played video games. Yeah. Or they played violent video games. Yeah, and they're is- not looking at the full picture yeah well because that's such a simple yeah of course they played video games because everyone their age plays video games that isn't you know shocking and it's funny because you would think after you know that huge study and even Scalia kind of like shutting it down it would end but most recently Trump 
you went ahead and said that video games, the video games, the movies, the interactive stuff is, is so violent. He went ahead and said that and it kind of reignited this dead argument because at this point it is officially dead. I feel like it's reached as no, high as the Supreme it's Court. Not. I mean, it's alive, but it's you're beating a dead horse that is is not true. It is like it's having that Berenstein Bears argument. We've oh, already proved <laughs> we already proved to you wow. that the name was what it was. That's what and you compared this going, to. Yeah, that's what okay. it feels like. I need to tell you something. Did you see on the White House YouTube? channel which if you didn't know the white house has a youtube channel they have something they have a video up that's titled violence in video games oh, no. it has um over a million views uh if i will show it to you it is literally there's no introduction to it <laughs> it is just the most not the most but it is just violent excerpts yeah taken from video games of yeah. people like hitting each other with hatches yeah. or or shooting someone in their some uh, pretty pre- prolific scenes in video games cuz these are some games I've played and it and they real it is funny they got Dead by Daylight which is a horror game where you play a slasher it really is like spe- But there's no introduction there's literally nothing that that introduces this this video, it just is on their YouTube page with clips of violent, yeah. you know, violent particular points in video yeah, games. Yeah, they're taking old games. They took the extremely controversial No Russian, and it was the scene where you you literally go and do a mass shooting. Like, that is the scene. In the context of the story, it makes sense. And actually, as the player, you do have the option to not shoot anyone. You actually get an achievement if you do that whole episode and shoot no one here's I mean, that whole uh, yeah level. it's fascinating one of the comments that has over 2,000 likes says i mean some of those clips you showed are unplayable cutscenes, so shouldn't you therefore be making the same argument against movies and television yeah um, i think that's the same thing and i do want to point out that the first half of that video no one was using guns. <laughs> it was all just axes right. and throwing knives. Like <laughs> it was no real. Like I think two people got shot, and the rest were with other weapons other than guns. So you're just taking oh, the, the somebody smoke else, out of your own. Uh, somebody else said, "I play a lot of fantasy games, and for that reason, am planning to tame and ride a dragon." You know, <laughs> I'm not trying to necessarily make fun of people who are concerned about violence in video games. But, but I, I do want to say it is dangerous. It is dangerous that when we have went through the proper means and the courts, your own justice, the one who is on the side of the Republicans has doesn't s- agree with doesn't agree yeah. with you. And you go and you post that like that is that is all, dangerous. It is on the White House, on the White House, yeah, channel. I agree. And with no explanation, I feel like that's another, like. It's irresponsible is exactly what it is. It's irresponsible and it's denying all the work that everyone has done and all the facts that are out there that proves this is just not true. I do want to play this clip from the Daily Zeitgeist because I feel like, you know, they they have a fun way. Daily Zeitgeist, another show on the How Stuff Works Network. Uh, we're going to have to bleep a lot of it because they are some potty mouths. You know, when I'm on there, I never cuss. I don't cuss in my whole oh, life. I cuss so uh, much. <laughs> but yeah, this is kind of, I feel like instead of kind of repeating what has happened and what has said during the recent shootings, it'd be good to just kind of give you you all just a clip. And, you know, if you don't already listen to the Daily Zeitgeist, hopefully this will make you want to go peep those guys out. You know, me and Danny have both been on it. 
talking point, it seemed like, on all the Sunday shows because the NRA had to get all their people out to start spinning this recent shooting to be anything but the guns. Mm -hmm. uh, seemed to be mostly video games and movies now was like the... I guess scapegoat du jour and Ritalin right. and Ritalin, yeah. yeah. So right. I guess the Ritalin first up, was a new one. Yeah, yeah. Ollie North, yeah. who is the new NRA president and yep. OG gun smuggler of America, right. mm -hmm. he went on uh, Fox and yeah, blamed Ritalin and a bunch of others. Yeah, check out this explanation. We're trying like the Dickens to treat the symptom without treating the disease, and, and the disease in this case isn't the Second Amendment. The disease is youngsters who are steeped in a, in a, a culture of violence. Uh, they've been drugged in many cases. Nearly all of these perpetrators are male, and, and they're young teenagers in most cases. And they've come through a culture where violence is commonplace. All we need to do is turn on the TV, go to a movie. If you look at what has happened to the young people, many of these young boys have been on Ritalin since they were in kindergarten. That's such a hard left on, like, it's like he even started like making a good point of like all these young shooters are male all these young like right that there could be a discussion about what toxic masculinity is and things like that right but then it turns into a ritalin, ritalin. <laughs> so, yeah so like they mm -hmm. at this point and i think hearing that also lets you know that it really isn't video games it really isn't what it really comes down to is anything but smarter gun control laws yeah. like that's what and it's so funny because no one i feel like a few people a few french people might have said ban all guns but no one is saying ban all guns what we're saying is make it harder to get these killing machines uh i want to start just with the uh, the war because it's very interesting it's it's almost like you know when you read some people's uh biographies and you're like oh this is this is gonna be a good movie one day i feel like rod serling has one of those biographies. yeah that's kind of fascinating i guess he hasn't no one has played him yet like and officially in a huge uh film i agree he is so instrumental i feel like in um not only science fiction but just yeah i know that he gets compared uh, black mirror gets compared a lot to twilight zone yeah. and and that's accurate and then and of course we're gonna um also visit the fact that jordan peele is now making uh which i think he's perfect for um yes. it is gonna be on the cbs platform yeah because yes. like get yeah. out would have been the perfect like like <laughs> episode of twilight zone in the same like cutting just um what's the word i'm looking for uh criticism what i was going to say is actually jurassic park fits a lot people forget but that fits uh, a lot of one, like yeah. yeah the original jurassic park well and i would say jurassic uh the last one jurassic world fallen kingdom um where they start to kind of or or they uh, hint at using dinosaurs as weapons that to me is also kind of like what would we do with this technology oh, yeah. um where it could also be like a black mirror episode but yeah rod Stern, as far as me like i grew up with the twilight zone marathons <laughs> uh my parents would party and essentially <laughs> leave us alone uh on new year's eve we'd watch it on sci-fi my brothers and i i now um if he has been to my place uh Mello, you are welcome to come to my place i have a Twilight Zone wall, oh, um, which I will tweet uh, with different uh, artwork and original artwork that's signed by artists. I have Rod Serling up there. I have um, many of the episodes, uh, including one of the most famous ones, which is Eye of the Beholder. But also uh, I had an artist, uh, a lot of the other ones don't have as much artwork. So I commissioned an artist to do uh, my favorite. Well, it changes as the years go on, but my favorite is uh, The Howling Man is one of my absolute favorite episodes. Uh, and also Satan's kind of hot. 
He's kind of hot in it. Uh, <laughs> he is. He looks good. Um, so, yeah. So let's talk about the history of Rod Serling. Yeah. I was. I, I just wanted to start in high school. He, funny enough, he's always been a writer. Not funny. I mean, just, I guess, as expected. Always, uh, He was writing for the school newspaper. And he was kind of like amped up about World War II. And he was kind of encouraging other students to enlist and he actually wanted to enlist before he graduated but then it was actually his civics teacher gus youngstrom who said uh war is a temporary thing it ends and education doesn't and without your degree where will you be after the war so he actually finished school graduated <laughs> and as soon as school ended enlisted now there's a fun detail in his enlistment that kind of really i think sets up who rod serling is so originally he was sent to um california which meant he was going to fight the japanese instead of you know the the germans and he was actually angry about it because he wanted to fight hitler and so so he was like forget the japanese i need to fight this guy this horrible bigoted racist guy like that's who he wanted and i feel like that kind of set the tone for his life eventually he actually grown bitter about the war because it it seemed like such a young thing to do to be like oh i'm gonna go join the army i'm gonna fight the bad guys but he found out that you know he was seeing death every day and mm-hmm. then he, there were a lot of freak accidents there was this huge freak accident like there was um there was a jewish private named uh, melvin levy and levy was delivering a comic monologue for the platoon as it as like he was standing under a palm tree and a food crate was dropped from a plane above and it decapitated him mm. and so uh, mm-hmm. serling actually led the funeral services for levy and placed the star of david over his grave so like not only are you seeing the death of the war but you're also seeing freak accidents like that i can imagine that's not only kind of making you bitter towards the war but that i feel like there's no way to not have this kind of morbid kind of creative thought when you see things like that, you know, like, (laughs) yeah, I would say also during the time, um, I I think like you were saying too, that he was exposed to this idea of good versus evil and Mm -hmm. then evil, not necessarily being evil or are we the evil actually, um, was something that I think that he tackled a lot pretty often. Um, uh, human nature, as well as during this time, just the amount of racism that he saw was definitely influential in his writing. And something that's really fascinating is we can, we can link this in our footnotes, but I watched a YouTube video of him a couple years ago. Uh, that sounded weird. It wasn't a YouTube video of him. It was him doing an interview that was uploaded on YouTube. <laughs> hey, what's up? It it's was, Rod Serling hey, here. You guys want to subscribe? Uncle Rod doing an unboxing vid uh, here. <laughs> Watching it. Can you imagine? Can you can you imagine him like doing uh, having a selfie stick? Oh, oh man. god! Who wants you that TZ loot box coming I would, in? You know? I, would, <laughs> I would love to see him nowadays. Like his commentary on us um, would be so fascinating. <laughs> His daughter is still alive. Um, oh, nice. But uh, what I was going to say is I watched a video on YouTube of him where he was talking about censorship and how CBS had censored the writers and and what they were trying to get away with. And a lot of the times, uh, of course, his commentary was on on people of color and the treatment of people of color uh, in marginalized groups in general where they would end up having to make them like an alien or, a, you know, a monster or something for you to like – feel for them because they weren't they weren't able to to make them people of color and uh he actually says 
that you eventually start to censor yourself where you're not even writing those stories. So if you already know, it's, it's kind of fascinating, like the brain will just start to censor and, and not even create those stories anymore. It was, it's a really fascinating interview and we'll link it. But yeah, he ended up volunteering at WNYC in New York as an actor and writer in the summer of 1946. And then the next year, he worked at a station as a paying intern in uh, Antioch Work Study Program and then took a couple of odd jobs in other radio stations in New York and Ohio. He said, I learned time writing for a medium that is measured in seconds. He also worked at the Antioch Broadcasting Systems Radio Workshop and was managing the station within a couple of years. Dan, look, he's moving up. Yeah, yeah. He was a hard worker. Uh, He wrote and directed the programs and acted in them as well. Um, This is kind of fascinating. So I actually read uh, The Twilight Zone Companion, highly recommended. There's a couple of different Twilight Zone uh, books out there. Have you read that one, Mello? No, I haven't. Oh, I think you would like it. There's so much behind the scenes for each. They go through each episode so okay. i actually got it on audible and i would listen to it when i would clean and, and drive and stuff but it's behind the scenes of like how did this get made how this almost didn't get made mm-hmm. other freak accidents that happened uh in the episodes uh and also he didn't write all of them mm-hmm. um i know a lot of people think that he wrote all of them but a lot of them were actually bought from uh they were teleplays mm-hmm. or they might have been a short story in a magazine and he would buy the rights to it and then uh adapt it uh, sometimes he would, and and then he had other people working on his team as well. And I can imagine, like he wrote like an insane amount. I believe at the age of thirty-seven, he had written forty-eight or forty-nine episodes. By that point, he was like, "Okay, I finally need another writer." Yeah, yeah, and well, he just wanted to be a writer. Yeah. I don't know if you know that, but they talked about that in the book where he just wanted to be a writer uh, for the Twilight Zone, and he didn't intend to be the host. And look at him like you're the perfect host. <laughs> you're like handsome, but you're creepy, and you're like stern and have like a parental thing to you, but you're also like, you know, ominous. And uh, yeah, I, I think and he has gorgeous lush eyebrows. Um, so yeah, he, but originally he actually just wanted to be a writer and he didn't, because when he was hosting, he didn't have an acting, like he didn't have as much time to dedicate to writing. Uh, and I know that that bothered him, Ah. but, uh, hopping back into the past. (laughs) (laughs) While in college, Serling won his first accolade as a writer. The radio program, Dr. Christian is starting an annual script writing contest eight years earlier. Thousands of scripts were sent in annually, but very few can actually be produced. So uh, Serling won a trip to New York City and $500 for his radio script, To Live a Dream. He and his new wife attended the awards broadcast on May 18th of 1949, where he and the other winners were interviewed by the star of Dr. Christian, Gene Herschel. One of the other winners that day was Earl Hamner Jr., who also earned prizes in previous years, and later Hamner wrote scripts for Serling's The Twilight Zone. Also, I just want to drop this fun fact. Uh, $500 in 1949 has the same buying power as $5,114 has today. That's nice. So like a nice little, yeah. you know, nice yeah, he, little something. He came up. <laughs> I mean, you get that much in college, you're like, hold up. That's true. That's <laughs> yeah, true. Like, hold up. <laughs> We're about to throw a, a, a dorm party. Oh, I would love to see Rod Serling uh, partying. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, I wonder if uh, any of those cigarettes who's always if any of them were blunts ever. You never know. Uh, so Serling said of his time as a staff writer for radio, from a writing point of view, radio ate up ideas that might have put food on the table for weeks at a future freelancing date. The minute you tie yourself down to a radio or TV station, you write around the clock. You rip out ideas, many of them irreplaceable. They go on and consequently can never go on again. Oh, and God, you sold yes. them for $50 a week. Gosh. And he was saying that back then. I mean, that seems small to us, but yeah. yeah, you can't afford to give away ideas. They're too damn hard to come by. If I had to do it over, I wouldn't staff write at all. I'd find some other way to support myself while getting a start as a writer. Holy crap. <laughs> I'm like going through a midlife crisis as we're, as we're <laughs> discussing this right now. Yes. I no. know. <laughs> How many writers in our lives do you think would agree with this as well, that you're kind of just giving your ideas over to a studio for like such little pay? Yeah. And, and especially his, because he was so like transformative like the the thought that he wrote 49 scripts by himself and all of them anthology episodes is pretty much on the equivalent of like you wrote a pilot like twice a week yeah so we'll we'll just jump all the way to what we're here to talk about which is uh the twilight zone and it had an interesting kind of start it just kind of shows you how uh old hollywood used to work Uh, i don't think the wga existed at this point because uh (laughs) serling submitted the time element to cbs uh, intending it to be a pilot for his new weekly show the twilight zone but instead cbs used the science fiction script for a new show produced by desi arnaz and lucille ball the Westinghouse Desilu Playhouse in 1958. The story concerns a man who has vivid nightmares of an attack on Pearl Harbor. The man goes to a psychiatrist and, after the session, the twist ending, a device which Serling became known for, reveals the patient had died at Pearl Harbor and the psychiatrist was the one actually having the vivid dreams. The episode received so much positive fan response that CBS agreed to let Serling go ahead with his pilot for The Twilight Zone. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that my work that you yanked for me did so well that you agreed to let me keep making this thing that people are excited about. I'm sorry, I couldn't stop <laughs> laughing at the idea of Lucille Ball in this, like, serious yeah. drama. These <laughs> 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 dreams! Uh, what, what's so interesting here is that that's such a sandwich, and it's such a perfect, like, wrap-up to who Sterling was in Into Twilight Zone, because, th- I mean... Dreams about a a World War II, like he said, the war left him with nightmares. So this is really him, like, just the beginning of him taking what he was actually dealing with, putting it on paper, and then making it into something amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I also just wanted to be like, what a twist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that was all of, the, no, not all of them, but that was a lot of his. Yeah. Um, his most famous ones, I feel like, had a pretty big twist. Um, and some of them I still feel like you can't always tell. Some of them you can tell, but some of them you can't. Yeah. Uh, and so that was always my favorite things about a lot of the, he was just so, what a fascinating, interesting man. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, let's talk about the Twilight Zone. Um, After these messages? Sure. Yeah, let's do it after these messages. That's good. <laughs> Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. 
Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values. Premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary. Indulge your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. Hey, what's up, y'all? Welcome back. And as promised, we are back with a Power Ranger. What's uh, up? Hey, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it, it is my buddy, my friend, Peter Sodarso. How are you doing? Good, dude. Good. Yeah, yeah. Peter, when he walked in, he was like, so what are we talking about? <laughs> you are so, the worst. Uh, what? <laughs> I love you. We're just such different co-hosts, mm. I feel like, where I would have had like an email and the, here's the parking situation and oh, yeah, here's no. like... I called him for parking, actually. Just outside, I was like, is it okay for me to park just like one hour? Peter, we have a spot for you. Yeah. What? <sighs> what? Well, you know, the lot is full today. And uh-huh. all the, even the one I was going to pay the dumb $8 to park, yeah. it, that's full. So I'm like out on Vine. Me too. Yeah. He's down there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know what's going on in Hollywood today. I feel very short. Look at my chair right now. What is this? Oh, we do have to talk about something. This is Peter's first ever podcast yeah. ever. Ever. Yeah. yeah. So I'm just a little feel? bit, uh, I'm nervous. <laughs> I don't <laughs> know what to like, expect. <laughs> you like do live on camera stuff constantly. Yeah. You know, you did Hyperforce and then you did like the real Power Rangers. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're, you, yeah, you're one of the Power Rangers who got to be in multiple iterations of Power yeah, Rangers. How does it Super fit? lucky. Um, my goodness, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm not sure how it, I guess, because I think they're very different audiences. Like, mm-hmm. most people who watch Hyperforce aren't aware of, like, my Ninja Steel stuff. Mm-hmm. So it feels like they're two different things completely. It doesn't feel like they're both, like, Power Ranger and all in, like, one little thing. Oh, nice. Well, let's back it up a little bit and let's talk about when did you first start hearing about Power Rangers? Because we know all of us have no, if been... I, if I started talking about that, we're going to be here for, like, an hour and No, hour. please <laughs> tell... Like, what was your first introduction? When do you first remember seeing Power Rangers? Um, I grew up in Indonesia. Mm-hmm. So my first introduction to Power Rangers was actually Super Sentai. So oh, wow. Yes. Yeah. And, so you're, uh, like, an OG. Yeah. I'm just I'm just on the other side of the world. <laughs> but yeah, I think I, I remember it when I was like super young and then I kept watching it and I grew up just watching it, you know, so it's always been in my life. And then uh, to get into the whole Power Ranger acting industry side, it was actually Yoshi. You know yeah. Yoshi, right? Yeah, your older brother, right? Yeah. yeah. He's also down in Charge Blue. Um, mm-hmm. He got into the industry from doing like stunt stuff. 
So he did like the suits and all that stuff and for the live action shows. And so he got to meet some of the Rangers. And from then on, he was like, hey, guys, how do you how do you get into this industry? I want to be a Power Ranger, yeah. you know, because like he could do flips. So they referred him. Yeah. Exactly. That's, that's a core exactly requirement. Yeah, that's what you need to be able to do yeah. flips. So we're all... out. We're out. Iffy. I'm gonna practice my flips. Dang, me too. They're actually casting for it right now. Oh man, like right now, just down the street. Yeah, well, we know uh, what we're doing after this. Yeah, I know. Like, hit our manager up. Uh, excuse me, why wasn't I sent this? Right. No, but um, so he did that, and then so he got uh, the casting director's email, and we legit just cold shot an email. And we weren't in the acting industry at this time. I was a student of architecture and my brother was doing mathematics. Oh, wow. And he was just like, hey, can we audition? And she was like, yeah, sure. So we came in and we saw her and then uh, we got really lucky. I think it was just things just kind of worked out really well and we continued on all the way to screen testing, both me and Yoshi. Then they canned it because they were like, oh, actually, this is a bit too early to be testing it. So um, come back in like six, seven months. Like, all right, cool. We came back and that was Megaforce. That's the first time that I actually got a taste of what the industry is like. Because, like, you guys, you guys act. So you guys yeah. know, yeah. like, uh, the whole test option, right? Mm -hmm. When you see those papers, you see oh, the yeah. numbers. You see how you much you're going to get paid, yeah. And the promise of what's yep. going to happen. You're like, you start, like, fantasizing in your head. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just so people, because people outside the industry don't know. So when you're auditioning to act, usually, like, in a pilot or a bigger show, first you do your auditions, then you do your callbacks. Then what you do is, like, a screen test slash chemistry test. Uh, what that usually is, it varies for different studios, but mostly let's just talk pilot season since it just happened and it's easy to talk about. Um, the studio execs come in and watch you do your uh, audition it's live. It's nerve-wracking. It's a but, lot. Yeah. And they're like just, most of them at the time will be like stone cold. Like yeah. just don't. Oh yeah, it's just like the SNL auditions. They don't laugh. But before you do your, <laughs> before you do your screen test, you get the contract and you see how much you're going to be making per episode. You see that money. And so that, that just ups the stakes even more because <sighs> now you know how much you could be making. And you don't even have the job yet, but you're already seeing how you, much you, yeah. yeah. You, you start to like imagine this life you know mm -hmm. and since i was like in architecture i i had been living like non-industry life for all my life yeah seeing all that i thought that the contract itself was like binding yeah and i was like <laughs> oh dear god my life has changed yeah. yeah you know and um at the end of it i got super close and it was done like me and one other person and it got to the point where like i accidentally got uploaded on imdb so oh, wow before i heard back that i didn't get it so i was like oh my god oh my god oh, i got it who did that that's the worst no oh you could get in big trouble for yeah. that the thing is like the power rangers uh fan base and community is super passionate so they found out who was what? auditioning i know oh, man i know yeah they found everything out and so like they speculated then eventually, one by one, people found out who got casted, and it was down to, like, the last person. And then they were like, I think Peter got it. So I think they put it on IMDb. So I thought I got it. Then yeah. when I didn't get it, it was God. like salt in the wound. First ever audition. And it was like first ever, like, rejection. Oof, yeah. And no one warned me how, how bad it would yeah. be. Yeah. Like, I've been through breakups. But yeah. there is nothing like a heartbreak. You know <laughs> what I mean? From your career? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's the just, truth. I don't know. Like, I would take twenty heartbreaks from a like from my partner than that. In like yeah. your life dream, yeah, that's yeah. hilarious. Wait, so you? This is so fascinating to me. You have no acting I have background. None. Yeah. Wow. I mean, now people are going to be running out here yeah. like La La Land. This. Well, that's the thing. Like, I, that was my first time with Megaforce, and then uh, after that, I got into the industry from like commercial modeling because I didn't. I still didn't have a theatrical. And when you're completely out of it, you have no idea how to get any of this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Even Google barely helps. Oh you yeah. Know? Yeah. So then I did that, and then uh, next season was Dino Charge. That was two years later. 
And then by this point, I had gotten a little bit of practice from commercials, but I've never gotten like actual like training. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So we did that, and uh, we went to producers, and we both got cut. Me and my brother. And at this point, I was already friends with the casting director, so I like begged her. I was like, "Please, please, please, give us another shot. Please, I swear to God, we will do better." Yeah. We she gave us another shot, which was super kind of her. Yeah. Eventually, went down to me against Yoshi. Yoshi wow. was going out for blue, and I was going out for red. Oh. And they couldn't have two Asians on the cast at that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At that time, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So yeah, Yoshi eventually got it. Wow. This is when I realized, like, oh. This industry isn't just fun and games. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, When he left, I was, like, majorly depressed. I took, like, I spent, like, $15,000 eventually in, like, classes. I drowned myself in classes. Oh, wow. But that ultimately helped me actually get into this industry seriously. Oh, yeah. You know? Well, I I think what you did, you know, this is taking a step from nerd talk and going towards actor talk or just industry talk. What you did is you... (laughs) took the positive route to deal with it. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of times when people face rejection in this industry, they want to blame the industry and not make themselves better. But right. what you did is you took the classes and you made yourself undeniable and then it paid off. And that was that's kind of how you have to treat rejection. Instead of yeah. like being like, these people aren't giving it to me, yeah. you have to be like, okay, then I'm going to get better and better till the point you can't say no. You look bad if you say no to me. Yeah. It's like it's like the audition that we were talking about this morning. Yeah. Like, had I known she wasn't going to read the lines, I would have just been better oh yeah you know what I mean? oh man yeah there's so many things i've been i feel like if you like because we're both in classes and i feel like as comedy well i can only speak for myself but i feel like being in comedy you kind of like you coast off of that for a little bit yeah. like you can make them laugh in auditions you can do that but then you start to realize you're not getting it because you don't have the acting technique yeah. that they want like and then when you're in acting classes you're like oh yeah i never thought to do literally any of that i know <laughs> and it's so funny because same thing as a comedian like looking at acting classes you know it's hard for a comedian to take anything seriously especially their <laughs> acting like and you're like whatever but it all it takes is that one moment of you like doing a line and then that teacher giving you the adjustment and then seeing how it pops and you're like okay when it maybe clicks. this yeah you're like maybe this is uh yeah <laughs> this is good. and it will just opens up your range i feel like to other now i can go for drama roles which is like i never ever would have and i didn't even want to like when they yeah. my acting teacher like made me take this like drama course i'm like i don't want to do this i don't yeah. want and then i was like oh i love it yeah. <laughs> i didn't realize i could cry on cue it's so expressive yeah i was like well i'm so living out here in this town i can cry at any time i didn't realize i could use that in my acting <laughs> Um, okay, so so Yoshi got it, and then and you didn't, and so yeah. you were here, and you took all these acting classes. Uh, well, at that time too, I, I started taking it a lot more seriously, not just acting classes. Like I started um, writing my own scripts, like filming my own stuff. I started a YouTube channel because of that, and um, which now has already died down. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> well, you it, got busy. Yeah, I got busy. I, well, after leaving for Power Rangers, it just no one else took over it, and I couldn't. Like it was yeah. six days right. a week. Yeah. But um, so I started doing that to actually like progressively do stuff. And I ended up getting a manager from one of the auditions that I did from like a self-tape. And so after that, the pilot season came when Ninja Seal was coming up. And at that time, I had booked two pilots. One of them was like an ABC Freeform. The other one was Disney. And I was like, I think I think I might be okay. Yeah. I think I might be okay in this acting industry, even if I don't get Power Rangers. You know, like, yeah. I'm going to be sweet. Oh, yeah. Then when Power Rangers came along, I was like, I can't do this again. I don't want to break my heart yeah. another time. You know, like it was so gut wrenching the first, second, and third time. Yeah. That, like this time, I don't want to go through it again. And my brother was like, "You know what, dude? You just gotta try." Because like, what's the worst that can happen? You book it. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess you're right. So then I went into it, and I was like, "I'm not gonna get invested. I already got mm-hmm. two pilots going on. I'm sweet." You know. Yeah. 
And lo and behold, of course, you always get invested. Oh, always. Yeah. There's oh, never not a time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like at first audition, you know, maybe you could be like, okay, cool. I'm done. You can let it go. Moment you get a call back, you're like, yeah. Oh, okay, it, the stakes um, raise so oh, it much. it does. <laughs> like incrementally too. Yeah. It's like first you're like maybe invested 5%. The next thing you know, you're like 50%. Next thing you know, you're like 2,000%. Yeah. Like, whoa, 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 what just happened there? So all that happened and I got all the way to the point of screen testing again. And at this point, I was there. There were, like, two other dudes who were, like, way better looking than me, way younger than me. And they were, like, amazing at stunts. I saw them doing it. And I was like, frick, they're not going to have two Asian dudes on here. Yeah. You know, so I was just, like, feeling a little discouraged. But I did it anyways. After all that was done, it was quiet. And, you know, you guys know the screen testing Mm -hmm. thing with the test option of, like, your time is here to here. And once, like, you reach, like, June 30th or whatever, you have to be released from the test option. Yeah. So that means you at least know when you don't get it as yeah. opposed to, like, prior to. Mm-hmm. So it got to the point of, like, I think it was May. No, no, yeah, it was June. June uh, 23rd, which was the, the day that it cut off. And it was June 22nd at night, and I had not heard anything back. And I was on, on a shoot that day. I was on a shoot with my brother, and we were on film. And uh, it was, like, 10 o'clock, and I got a text from the producer saying, like, um, hey, I'd like to talk to you. And at this point, I was like, 22nd? What is going on? So I went up to my brother, and I was like, hey, dude, check this out. This is either really good news or really bad news, hoping that he'd be like, ha, 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 yeah, you should call him, you know? And so I was like, yeah. And then he was like, oh, um... And at that point, his face just dropped, like completely dropped. He, you could, you could tell when somebody's not joking. You yeah. Know? Like no matter how good of an actor they are, in real life situations, you could tell when somebody's oh, joking. Yeah. So he was like, "Dude, um, you didn't get it." And I was like, <laughs> "What? Like, don't screw with me, dude. Like, this is yeah. You know how big this is to me. How important this is to me. Like, if you, if you screw around with me right now, yeah, I will break down. <laughs> yeah, we're on set. <laughs> I can't afford to break down." And he was like, "No, dude. Like, uh, Chip called me." actually two hours ago and told me like, hey, Peter didn't get it. How should I tell him that I, he didn't get it? And I was like, oh my God. Well, I guess that's how. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I was like, <laughs> you gotta be joking. So he called me and he was like, hey, you didn't get it. Um, I don't have much time right now because I'm actually in a meeting and I know that you're on a shoot. Let me call you back. I just want to talk to you because I do really care about you as a person and uh, I want to let you know why you didn't get it. Just so you understand that's that helpful. it's not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I was like, at that point, I honestly didn't care to talk because I was yeah. just so upset. Yeah. But Which was one was kinda, for this again? This was for Ninja Seal. Oh, okay. Yeah. So this was two years ago, I think. Yeah. And so I was like, well, if he was kind enough to go out of his way to say that, I might as well just talk to him, you know? And yeah. like, at least, maybe it'll make me feel a little bit better why I didn't get it. Yeah. So uh, after the shoot was done, this was two in the morning, I was driving home and I finally called him and he was like, hey, Peter, okay, um... I really want to talk to you. If you're on the on the street, can you uh, pull over or something? Yeah. And I was like, all right, fine. So I pull over. And he was like, okay, well, um, the reason why you didn't get it, Peter, or should I say Preston, is because you're Ninja Steel Blue. And I was like, what? <laughs> Wait, what? What are, what are you saying? Yeah. And I legit, I don't know if I could cuss on here, but I was oh, like. Yeah. yeah, we'll bleep it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, don't f*** with me, Jim. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And uh, he, it turns out I got it. And the reason why he told Yoshi that was because he wanted to surprise him. No, oh, no, wow. these are bad people. Yeah, oh, wow. Peter, these are bad people. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I love it. I mean, it's funny because I like I know that they surprised Yoshi, but Who I was does still. That? I no. know that's why. Like that's why I took it for granted because yeah. you don't hear you... In, like yeah. executives doing that. Mm-hmm. Oh, good thing you didn't like cuss somebody off, I know. cuss somebody out or something. Oh man! Listen, I've I've given you my heart and my soul. But man, you, you gotta man, that person was really good because he was a know, mastermind of it all. Because just... because if he would have been like, don't tell your brother, but you did get it. And you were on set, you would have let it slip. You would, oh, there's no way you would have been able to. So he was like, I gotta wait till they get off set. And he's like, All right, this is what's going down. So yeah. tell tell over? the story. Cause I'm I sorry, really I like it. it's very cute. And we're gonna post this. Send me the video so we can post it on the footnotes. <laughs> yeah, you but can actually look it up. It's on it's on Bethany's uh, yeah. blog. Uh, she has like all the back ends of it too. Yeah. But uh, so after that, I had to wait two weeks before Yoshi could know because after that, it was two weeks until Power Morphicon, which is coming mm-hmm. up soon. That's when they do the reveal. So up until that time, I was like still playing D&D with my brother and I was like trying to put in like little hints and stuff, you know, <laughs> but we were playing D&D and like we passed by like this, um, this martial arts gym right by because I play Emerald Knights. Yeah. And um, there's this martial arts place called a uh, Blue Dragon Martial Arts. Yeah. And uh, the day before Paramoricon, we drove past it and my Zord, by the way, is a blue dragon. Yeah. So uh, Yoshi was like, hey, Peter, look at that. Blue Dragon Martial Arts. Like, just like that. Just the way I just said it. Yeah. And I was like, Yo, does this guy know? Yeah. You know? <laughs> I was like, is he screwing with me? <laughs> so then the day of Power Morphicon came and uh, I was going to go down the thing and they were like reading the names. They wanted to read me last because they wanted to do the whole like surprise with Yoshi. Yeah. At that point, I was already annoyed because I was like, Yoshi already <laughs> knows, man. Yeah. yeah. He's pointed out multiple things that shows me that he knows. Like, I know he knows. And um, the moment that like my name was supposed to get called up. So it was like, this person. Uh, this color, this person, this color, this person. There was like a beat, a pattern, you know? Then it got to me and it was like, and the Blue Ranger. And Yoshi was supposed to read my name. And all I heard was, <laughs> and I was like, what? What's going on? And then that's when I knew that like, he didn't know. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Then he called my name and he couldn't even say my name. Like the dude just started breaking down. And even to this day, like every time I watch it, I still get feelings just because of how raw his Aww. emotions were. Yeah, and, I'm, I'm pulling it up for Danny right now. It's like... The cutest thing. <laughs> because, we'll have to post it. Yeah, yeah, we will definitely post it. Uh, I'm going to get it. <laughs> so how crazy was it, like, right after that? What was the... Because their fan base is pretty ravenous. Yeah. And, like, in a good way. They yeah, just, yeah. like, eat up everything. They're extremely passionate. And yeah. that's the one thing that I will say, like, I love about the Ranger fan base. Like, but the thing is, like, I've already kind of always been in uh, semi-spotlight with them. Because yeah. The Megaforce thing, when they put me up on IMDb, so a lot yeah. of the, the Ranger fans actually have, like, stayed with me since 2011. Wow. Yeah, since 2011, until I booked it in 2016. And then a lot of them were like, dude, you've been here since day one, yeah. and your brother was it last year. So That's so dope. It just, it just worked out really well in my favor. Yeah. So... I hope that you enjoyed the, the visit down memory lane. Some of our favorite moments from Nerdificent. And next week, we will also have a couple more of our, our favorite uh, ones. Let us know what your favorite episode and moments were um, from this past year, Ify. Yeah, yeah, because we love hearing from y'all. And you know, stay nerdy. <laughs> <laughs> You're such a nerd. <laughs>
Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.